We were one Pasuk in. We began the reign of Yehoyakim. And Pasuk before, even though this Pasuk is a description used for the last few Malachim, as the Gemara would say, and there were gradations of Rishus. And unfortunately, in gradations of Rishus, Yehoyakim was up there or down there. I don't know which way to say it. But he is not the same as Yechania. Certainly, Tzitkiyo, even though he uses the same Lushan, was far better. And the Gemara lists a very unusual list of atrocities uh, particular to Yehoyakim in the personal realm and in his leadership or lack thereof. Biyamav Allah Nevuchadnezzar, Perichav Dala Pasek Aleph. Biyamav Allah Nevuchadnezzar, Melabava Vayihila Yoyakim Evich Shalosh Shanim, which means that was part of the deal. Not that Nevuchadnezzar keeps deals anyway, but Yoyakim won't, and he's going to rebel. An exercise in futility shows you the mood of the people. In terms of their, mentioned last week, their nationalism, but in this case, misplaced Kanos, the nationalism, and I know in certain terms, are they going to sit for a while under the rule of anyone, let alone Nebuchadnezzar? They're not correct. The Navi is telling them now and will continue to tell them. No one's listening. Vayimrod. Boy, they rebel. The Yeshalach Hashem boy as Gedude Kazdim. Interesting. The Lushan here, Vayeshalach Hashem boy, to remind us that Akash Baruch Hu, of course, is Kavayacho pulling all the strings. And it looks like they're being randomly attacked by the nations surrounding them here, there, and everywhere. Akash <laughs> Baruch Hu is still trying to wake them up. And Nebuchadnezzar is sending these nations. He's not only furious that they're rebelling, not only will he attack, not only will he come very soon, he sends other nations to agitate the situation. The Yeshalach Hashem Boy, as Gedude Kazdim, as Gedude Aram, as Gedude Mayav, never a shortage of Sani Yisrael willing to attack. As Gedude Bene Aman, the Yeshalachem, Yehuda, Lahavidoi, Kedvar Hashem, Ashadibe, Biyadavodav, Hanavim. And this is the beginning of the Chorban even though we still have a number of malachim to go. Gimel, Ach, Al Pi Hashem, Ha'isev Yehuda, Lohoseh, Me'alpana, Bechatas, Menashe, Chol As we spoke about at length during the reign of Menashe, despite the fact that he spent many years doing tshuva, and that certainly was worth something, worth a lot perhaps in his own personal Elam Haba, it did not reverse the damage, and... Obviously, Rinyo Yokim, so the blame is on him for the immediate damage. But the overall picture is that Kosh Baruch Hu has it uh, sort of in line that whatever non Tikkun is happening, they're not fixing it up and they'd have to bend it very much in the other direction. Weighing on them is the Averis of previous generations, particularly Chatas Menashe, Kecholosha also. Gam dam If you recall, we mentioned some of Hashem 
take the view that Menashe did personal tshuva for his Avodah didn't really fix up his murderous tactics, and there was too much damnaki around, and murder in particular, as Averas go, is going to be a residual kitshug, because even if you do tshuva for Avodah the people that are killed, and there were thousands and thousands of them, particularly his grandfather, Shaya Hanavi, it's difficult to fix that up. And it's tshuva for everything, but this, uh, in the face of a lack of sustainable tshuva, is going to be a black mark. Yes? Yes, and the answer, Chazal raised that Shailon, the answer is that if they're machsik the maisa of a sam and those maisam were not good, then they're going to pay for their maisam and their forefathers' maisam, and that's what's going on over here. And they didn't really fix it up. The dam has not been fixed up either. Yoyakam, based on the Pesukim elsewhere or not, <laughs> continued this campaign of uh, terror against any opponents. There were always Sadiqim around, and they were uh, brutally killed quite often. And uh, he didn't fix it up in this particular Damanaki department. So that goes back to where it started, and that's primarily by Menashe. Gam Damanaki Asher Shavon Yemalis Yishlaim Damanaki V'la Ova Hashem Lusleach V'Yeser Divrei Yakim Chosha Asa Lahem Ksuv Malsefer Divrei Yam L'Malchi Yehuda V'Yishkav Yoyakim Imavaisav Yimlach Yehoyachin Benoi Tachtav Yehoyachin is none other than Yechania, as in Golis Yechania, which is coming. More familiar to us, it's the same person. Pasuk Vav in Rashi. Yishkav Yayakim la amitasai ki asroi nevuchanetzer benechushtayim la licha bavela vahayumagaranasa umeis biyadam. Chazal tell us various medrashim that nevuchanetzer was quite angry, sent the Gedu De'aram Mayav Amon to start the destruction, but he himself sent his army, came, and demanded that they hand over Yoyakim, who was a married Bamachus. They came to Yoyakim and they said, the emperor wants you. And all of a sudden he got very firm and put on his Lamda Shahat, and he said, Hayitachin, v'chidechin nefesh mipir nefesh, there's a famous Gemara, he said, you can't do that. And the Chacham answered him, he said, no, actually, your great-great-great-great-grandfather told his commander-in-chief when they surrounded the city and asked for ben Bichri, and you remember the mayor of the city was Sarah Bazlasher. She was a Sadekist, but she also asked that, how do we hand them over? And Yoyev demanded his head. And the short answer is that if somebody is causing all the trouble and he's the Merba Malchus and he's Chayim Misa, you hand him over. And Yoyakam was probably Chayim Misa for many other things, the Ritzicha, the Avodah the Gilead Rice, everything else he did. But putting that aside, assuming there's no official Hasra over there, he certainly was married by Malchus, and that doesn't need Hasra. And Nebuchadnezzar is the Melech, whether you like it or not, and he is surrounding the city and he's demanding your head. So he didn't like that sock, and he didn't listen, and they grabbed him anyway, and they lowered him over the wall. And there's a Shaila in the Medrash, did he die on the way down because he was a Melech and a Mefunuk and he couldn't handle this? Or, as Rashi brings down, they handed him over to Nebuchadnezzar alive, Nebuchadnezzar's men, and they put him in chains and they started dragging him. The intent was to bring him to Bavo. 
per our discussion last week, they didn't always kill the malachim, it just took him to jail forever. And as they were dragging him in chains, he died. Either way, he didn't make it above all, and he died. And as we'll see soon, this was a fulfillment of the nevuah concerning Yoyakam, that he won't die any particular peaceful death on his bed. He'll be dragged, and his body will be dragged all over the outskirts of Yushalayim, and he won't be buried. So that's the uh, short description of the Pesukim over here are alluding to that. The fact, and I'll just put this out now, Nebuchadnezzar is uh, mentioned here as coming to get him in the Medrash, and the Pasuk soon is going to mention that he's going to come a few times. He's coming soon to get Yechania and bring him into Golis. He will make it to Golis. And whenever it mentions Nebuchadnezzar coming, many Mepharshim say he didn't exactly come to Shalayim. He came to Rivla and sat there and sent his army to Shalayim. And the reason he did that is because despite his rishus, and he was a very strange character. He was so vicious, such a big Russia that uh, we'll see in a few weeks when Tzitkiyo HaMelech gets the rights to come to his inner chamber unannounced because he actually treated him with some respect, begrudging respect. So he was allowed to come in whenever, and he came in and he saw him eating a live rabbit. Now, why would somebody want to eat a live rabbit? Well, we would want to know why somebody would want to eat a rabbit. Okay, assuming you're not bound by Hilchus uh, Kashrus. So why would you want to eat a live rabbit? And he came, walked in, and he was ripping it limb by limb and eating it. So Avram and Achai is one of the Zionists, that's first of all. But that's not even, that's a problem. But the problem is the insight into what Nebuchadnezzar was made out of and what made him tick. To remain such a Russian and to remain somebody who's so cruel, you had to like do cruel things all day just to keep in shape. And Krishna. And you had to flex your muscles and... I guess if you had some Hurri Chuva, like the fellow who drank the Negevasa, so you had to constantly reinforce your cruel Midas to remain Nebuchadnezzar. I guess you had to be there. It's hard to describe. But Tzitkiyo was so enraged by what he saw that this is the person running the world. So Nebuchadnezzar, even, even he was a little embarrassed. And uh, maybe he mentioned something like, should you knock first? He's the one who gave him a shush to come in. So it wasn't a taina yet on Tikkei or Melech. But he forced him to make a shul. He's never going to tell anybody. Because Lamaisa, there was still something called the civilized world, even though it wasn't very civilized. And even though he did this to stay in shape, to maintain his cruel midus and his midus and mishchasus, he didn't want it discussed openly at the UN, at the Security Council. So he uh, caused him to make a shvua. And, uh, yeah. Do we know that that's why he was doing it? Or ah, there's no other explanation. I mean, it could be that he just, he, maybe he just, he, couldn't, he liked it fresh. He couldn't, he couldn't help himself. He was just like, it's not that he was trying to do it, it's that he couldn't help himself. From doing uh, it there's no Indian. I, I like the fact that you're inherently good midas always try to be Malamed Schuss, but he's one man we don't have to be Malamed Schuss on. I will say that Avram Achai, we mentioned this uh, in the context of Shira and Zion Mitzvahs, Avram Achai is in list of Zion, there are only seven. 
why would that be in the list of seven? Seven basic halachas that Glenn have to keep. Where's the Yitzhahara? So they didn't have refrigeration. And it was very hard to get meat to stay fresh from point A to point B. And it was common that they used to travel in the desert with a pick your camel, mule, and they used to rip limb by limb. This was common, and it used to bleed, and it was horrible. And this went on for days, and they had fresh meat. The alternative was salami, which I guess no matter how well you make your salami, it's not as good as the fresh stuff. So this was done, and Hashem said, this is cruel and inhuman, and and you don't need fresh meat all the time. If you want to shecht it, shecht it. If you don't want to waste the money, then too much to shecht every time you want a piece of meat. So wait. Do you have enough people can eat it? So one could say, even though I'm not trying to be malam, it's chus that he wanted a fresh rabbit. I don't think I'm being malam to I think it's what I'm saying is that rather than doing a peshita, he did it because he couldn't control himself. He had no real shita. You hold that's worse? Okay. If you have a malam at chayva. Okay. I, and that it was embarrassing for it, if people would know that he has no control over himself as an end, then that And that's exactly why I'm getting ahead of myself. That's exactly why Tzitkiyo, who's Be'etzim Atzadik, couldn't hold himself back from sharing it with the other kings, which got him into serious trouble. What can't you, why can't you hold yourself back? Like, who cares? The answer is, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. It was, it was so ridiculously insane. The whole matzah, he said, this is running the world? So, they're both true. This person who's so cruel and he's working on his cruelty to keep it up and he's also a wild animal can't control himself. Unfortunately I wouldn't have believed this but somebody recently very recently, like two days ago told me that in his travels through Europe very recently, he was in Spain for a day, stopover he had a few hours that he wanted to increase his kavana for Shaloh Asani Goy that always needs uh, chizik, uh, we should be awake more and focus. So he went to a rodeo. Is this chukah same to walk in there? Okay, it's probably not. I'm not sure remember held his big kulu is going to a ball game, going to sports is not chukah same. He says it might be, it probably is an issue most of the year of tzniyas. An issue, maybe it's not good for your mitas. We'll get back to that in a moment. Uh, maybe it's not good for many other things, but the uh, it's hard to say it's asr. He says it's not a chayk for them. Uh, this is as close to a chayk as it becomes. In Spain, believe it or not, I, I heard this was true hundreds and hundreds of years ago. He said it's a, almost a daily activity, maybe in season. And he went to a stadium. Is it like a stadium, like a Yankee Stadium? He said, it's bigger than Boulder, smaller than Yankee, but, uh, but a stadium, like with hundreds and hundreds of people, maybe more. And they had, in the 45 minutes he was there, he was sick to his stomach, so he had to leave after 45 minutes. This, this goes on for hours. They go through like uh, seven or eight bulls. And he said, the first thing you should know is that PETA apparently might be very active over here. They never heard of Spain. If they heard of the country, this wouldn't be going on. It is a pillar, no? Where, where are the liberals when you need them? Where, where, like, Peter never... They, the bull... What? No, I, that, it's a bit of a chiddush. This is going on. This is not a hidden... This is a national pastime. And there are people who we would have considered normal before the story who buy tickets. They go in. First of all, the bull doesn't stand a chance. Talk about a mismatch. 
It says they have a bunch of the fellows on the horses, on the high horses with the spears. And they got big spears and little spears and darts, and they got a whole, a whole getup of that. And the first thing they do is they stab the bull. So he starts off with a major disadvantage. He's already dying, and the bull is very strong, strong as a bull probably. And it goes on for a long time as the bull is already injured at the very beginning, and he's holding this thing, which is red, but the bull is colorblind, so that's just part of the show. But the bull does get excited when you shake something in front of it. And they go back and forth, back and forth, and as they go, every minute they stab him. And the question, part of the thing, you get points, how quickly you stab him, and how quickly you get him, and they're stabbing him in the back, and they stab him in the heart, and they stab him, and, they just, and there's blood all over the place. Every time there's a spurt of blood, the crowd goes wild, and they're cheering. They say, couldn't believe it. Is this like, like you talk about eating a rabbit, ribbing? These are people, so if you want to like work on your midah of Rachmanus, and you're, we're, not, we're not Peter, but we do hold the, the Sabah Chaim. There is such a musug, and besides Sabah Chaim, it's horrible for your midas. So they're cheering, and every time he does it quicker, and there's more blood, they're cheering, and they're going wild in the stands, and no one's winning. I guess the humans are winning, the bulls losing, but bull, bull starts off with this major handicap that he's already a Gavrikatila at the very beginning, and um, he said after, in 45 minutes, they went through three of them. And each one's a separate part one, part two, part three, and this goes on. Thousands of people buy tickets to watch this. The good news is, in the olden days, they used to do this to people. That's the good news. We're getting somewhere. But I'm just introducing, the reason I'm mentioning Sitkiel, that's the end of the story, is I'm introducing you to who Nebuchadnezzar is. So despite all his cruelty and his uh, Mishagasin and everything in between, he knew that Akash Baruch Hu was still there, didn't realize the full extent. <coughs> And he didn't want to come to Yushalayim and take care of this firsthand because he was scared. Because he remembered there was a mighty ruler that came to Yushalayim and his whole army was wiped out. His name was Sancheirv. And they still remembered that. And he wasn't coming that close, but he was calling the shots. So he's going to park himself in a city nearby and send his henchmen. So... That's who we're dealing with, and uh, he wants Yo Yakum. They handed him over, and they did the right thing, Al Pidin, because again, Yo Yakum was Chayv uh, Misa anyway, and over here, he's the one who rebelled. And all the excuses that we want our independence and we don't trust Nebuchadnezzar, and he's going to destroy the country, he's going to destroy the country. Yemiyo says the only way out here is to do tshuva, and it's very difficult, and it's getting more difficult as we go peric to peric. It's still possible. The end of this story, well, we know the end of the story, but even Adva Abachlal with Sitkiyo, and we're going to focus on this a lot when we get there, the message of Yermio is going to be you can't right now save Yushalayim, perhaps, but if you give up and you go somewhat peacefully, you will survive. You won't be blinded, you'll be taken to Bavel. Nebuchadnezzar still has this begrudging respect of Malche, Yehuda, and as you mentioned correctly, so uh, probably didn't always kill the kings. Can't trust him, and he's cruel and everything else, but there's, there's bad and there's worse. And there was still a clear nevuah of what to do. The most unpopular nevuah ever in the history of man, and very soon, Yomiyo is going to find himself in jail. Let's continue in the Pasuk. Interesting pasuk in the middle of the description of the beginning of the Chorban. 
Mitzrayim, even though we had a bad run with Paranachoy with Melech Yoshion, he was killed by him, and then there was a battle afterwards, he was in better times an ally on and off. And the Pasuk here reports that at this Tkufa, he never left Eretz Mitzrayim again to help the Yidden. Not that he was such a big help in the first place, but there were times he cooperated with Yoyakim. In due time, Nebuchadnezzar got to conquering the whole world, and he got to Mitzrayim, and he took care of Paranachai relatively easily and seamlessly, and he took the Muluch away from him, and that was the end of Mitzrayim as an empire, and therefore he's no longer coming to aid and assist. Rashi says in Zion, Rashi says, and Rashi goes on to describe when and where that happened. It was during this Tkufa. I mentioned last week, I think briefly, that they bring Rayasim here to the famous Machlekes. I just want to, I think I just mentioned it uh, very briefly at the end of the year. There's a debate in the Rishonim whether the Mitzrayim were there after Sanchev mixed up the whole world. A very important machlekas, Nagel Lamaisa, debated in the Rishonim two days in the Machaber, and as late as Avadjia Seif as Achuva after the Yom Kippur War, I think, because they had Egyptian POWs who wanted to join Klai Yisrael. They could join. There's no Shaila, an honest Ger is an honest Ger. Shailas can they marry into Klai Yisrael? But they have to wait three days. So are they the same Mitzrayim as the ones from the good old days, or the bad old days? So Sanchev mixed everybody up. There are various psukim that seem to indicate Dafka the Mitzrayim went back. The question is, which psukim came first? Which psukim came second? Did they go back and go into Gullus again? Bekitzah, are the Egyptians today the same people? They're just some other Middle Eastern or North African people who happen to be living there. And that's a huge nafkamina. Can they marry a regular Bas Yisrael in the first couple of deris? And the jury's still out what the psak is. What? Yeah, yeah, they can marry any of the psulei kol, like anybody else. Like uh, that's uh, that's certainly okay. <coughs> so there are options. So they bring a riot from here. That we still talk about Melech Mitzrayim. It sounds like Melech Mitzrayim that he's really a Melech Mitzrayim over the Mitzrayim, and this is obviously after Sancheirv mixed everybody up because we learned that in this year a few months ago. So obviously we're post Sancheirv. So it's an interesting riot. Yes. Yes. Right. Right. So Shail is that. The difference is, it talks about Gedude Kastim, Gedude Aram. Here it says Melech Mitzrayim. The Chilik could be Gedude Aram is the people living in that area. We still call them Gedude Aram as we call the other one. Doesn't mean, and I'm going to move, it's a big nafkamino, as in Lo Yovo. So here, Melech Mitzrayim sounds like he's the Melech of Mitzrayim, of the people of Mitzrayim. It, it sounds, it, it can't be a Raya Shein of Tshuva, by the way, because it's still the Mahalis of Shainim. So now it'd be like the Raya, and if they had an answer, that would be part of the answer is that. It's not Murchuch, but the Chilik would be a Melech Mitzrayim as opposed to just uh, ruffians from the area of Aram. That would be the Chilik. So that's an interesting uh, diak. And Lamaisa, he's not going to show up again too much in uh, the history, certainly as we see it in the Navi. Pasuk has Ben Shemona, Esrei Shano, Yayachem, Emochoi, Shleishech Hadashim, Mala Bishalayim. As we saw in our chart last week, you still have it, or didn't uh, did you ever have to look at it, or just handed it out? I think we uh, did. You, does this look familiar? We'll hand it out again. You still have a copy of it. Just take a look. It's a uh, 
snapshot of the last four kings. And as we mentioned, it's very ironic and not coincidental that the numbers here are three months, 11 years, three months, and 11 years. You couldn't make that up statistically, mathematically. Uh, that is a million or 10 million, or 100 million to one, that those are the exact numbers. You have Yoachaz ben Yoshio, which we discussed two weeks ago, three months. Remember, he was the younger one, which they, the people, the Hamanam, chose as king. Yoachim was furious. Part of his fury certainly came out on the people when he became king, as we just saw today. He was not only a Magala Arias and Ovid of Arazar and Achetia Machtis Arabmi, he was also a big murderer. And he was good and angry because they didn't pick him. And he was insulted. He was older. Why'd they pick Yoyachaz? Uh, if you recall, the Pusik makes mention of the fact that he was more Isa, Maisa, of Isa. His father, Yoshio Amelech, was a Heiligat Sadik. Yoyachaz doesn't go down in history as a Sadik. So some of the point out that Tesis mentions this, that he obviously was pretty good when it started. And he went downhill very quickly, very quickly. He was only king for three months. So at the time, they had to choose a king. Yoyochus, who was younger, was the better of the two, a relatively good guy, and they saw Yoyochus was not going to be good, and they were right. Well, Yoyochus wasn't too good, never had too much time to do that much damage. So I guess that's good for his neshama. And the reason they emotioned him is because it was out of order. After he was... Captured and taken away to Mitzrayim. So Yoachim ben Yoshio became king. That was this morning's debacle. And he reigned for 11 years. 11 years of severe damage. Now Yoachim ben Yoachim is already a grandson of Melech Yoshio. And he is going to reign for three months, as we just saw in the Pasuk. Why so short? Yoachim and Sitkiel, the next king, were... Better in contrast to, well, anybody's better than Yoachim. And better than what happened with Yoachim because nothing much happened and he uh, went off, didn't accomplish much, unfortunately. Yoachim, the Pasi is going to say, uh, the next Pasi, He's only king for three months. What happened? So as Mofarshim explained, Sitkio, not Sitkio, Nebuchadnezzar, Lahavdul, had a change of heart, and he appointed him as king, and then probably at a cabinet meeting, his advisors brought up, Your Highness, uh, you had a difficult time handling Yoachim, and he rebelled. Why in the world did you appoint his son? Indeed, what was the Havamina? The guy just rebelled. Why did you appoint the son? The answer is the same reason why he's still appointing any Malchai Yehuda. A vassal state, basically, and he needs somebody to run the country and bring in revenue, and he's going to have more cooperation from the local population with a king that they consider their own. And the succession in the ancient world was, now it's not Pialocha, but the, the Goyim also did this. They appointed the next in line, and he was the next in line. That was his Havamina. His Maskana was, I didn't trust his father, and that's why I got rid of him, and I really should be trusting the son. Whether he had plans to rebel or not, who knows, but the mood of the people was such that it's certainly likely, and he came back literally within a couple of months after he appointed him and takes him into Gullus, as we will describe at length probably next week. And that's why it's only three months over here. And notice in the chart, Gullus Yoyachin, which we know is Gullus Yechanya, and 3327. And this is the tremendous chesed, which Chazal point out. 
tremendous chesed of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that Gaz Yechania happened 11 years before the Churban. The next and last king is Sitkiyo. He will reign for 11 years. And this happens because there needs to be an infrastructure when Klai Yisrael gets to Bavel. And the Vuchanetzah thinks he's wiping them out for good by taking the Cheresh Lamaskir and the king and all the notables and all the warriors and all the Timur and anybody's Chashav and taking them away. So he thinks he's breaking Klai Yisrael. He's actually the Shliach to build Klai Yisrael. And they will lay the foundation. And we're going to talk about that in Mitzvah Shem uh, more next week. But that is, let's just finish up the Pasuk. And didn't have a, much of a chance to do that much damage. It's only three months. The good news, we always like to end on good news before you go to the Peleyates. Yechania will actually do tshuva, will survive the trip, will come to Bavel, and will do tshuva in Bavel after many years. And he's the only one left from Malchus Beis David, and he will have a child. By, uh, by Nace, and we'll discuss that later. So there is hope for Yechania, and there's hope uh, Golis Yechania right now is the most depressing thing that ever happened to Klai Yisrael, to date. And they realize it's the beginning of the end, and they don't realize yet that Akash Baruch Hu is ensuring that the beginning of the end is the uh, end of the uh, Tsaris and the beginning of a second chance, which is the way Akash Baruch Hu always has it. Uh, we'll see that in Mitzvah Shem next week. Let's go to the Pelayets. So right now, he's putting Golis Yechanya, Yechanya is Yechanya. He's off the throne. Nebuchadnezzar turns around, comes back, and changes his mind. And he takes him off the throne. I'm assuming his advisors told him, why'd you appoint the son if you had such a difficult time with the father? So Tzitkiyo is going to be the, less, the third son. He was a grandson. He was a grandson. Tzitkiyo is going to be a son. Says, fully look back on the chart. Right? No, he's a son. Yechanya is a grandson. Let's go back to the Pelagets. I want to. Why? You're gonna. That's why I, I, I keep throwing in little Ramazan. He's gonna warn Sitkio, and on certain terms, and Sitkio is far, far ahead in terms of his personal uh, resume of Sitkus of the other three kings we just learned about. He's a he's a real tzaddikisayelam in the most difficult spot. Uh, again, to date in Klai Yisrael's history, and the mood around him is not only just as bad, it's worse. And, well, over the next three, four weeks, we will discuss that. Uh, Yossi, how we... Uh, still not here, okay, if you see Yossi later, we'll have to check. Uh, we might, by the summer, get to the end of Malachim and start Shoftim, so maybe uh, bumps into him, ask him how he's doing on the ordering. Let's go to the Pelagayets. We were in the middle of Chashud, and we were discussing yesterday the kashrus inyanim and how to carefully maintain your level of kashrus. And this is true, maintaining your level of frumkite in general, and yet be merv and mabrius enough that you're not insulting people where you don't have to. It's a very, very difficult tightrope to walk because if you really can't eat it, then somebody is pushing the issue and no other remez works, then you got to just say, I'm sorry, I, I can't eat this, and the chips fall where they may. You try not to hurt people's feelings, and you try your best to, under the circumstances where you can't upgrade the kashras in general, to figure out what to do. The shayla comes up all the time. 
uh, any Balchuva who's going back to his family or who's dealing with non-firm relatives, even if he is an FFB, and very many scenarios in between. And you can't do Averas to make people happy. You could try to figure out ahead of time how to be politically savvy enough to try not to start World War III every time it's not on your level. And each time, a Shaila has to be asked. And this is true with Kashrus, and it's true with Sneas, and it's true with the general ambiance and the effect it'll have on other people in the family. There are so many millions of Shailas. So the Peliyah, it's the first paragraph, which we saw over the last two weeks on Shabbos, that talks about uh, your chiv to be nizer and everything you're nizer in. And at the same time, you have to know when you're allowed to be making Oman shalom and when you can try to be more of a and not lower your standards. Avol, the second paragraph in Choshud, page Reishutches in the newer edition, and page Reishutches, I believe it was in Reish Lamed in the older edition. The people who want him to come because they have covered through him. That's nothing wrong with that, especially if he's the from one. And if he doesn't go, then uh, it's going to really cause a lot of collateral damage. Certainly, if what he's doing is a chumrah, now that's wonderful for him, and you should keep your hidurim, and you don't have to downgrade those, but it doesn't mean you have to not show up because they're not keeping those hidurim. Especially if the minig is lahokol, let's say, on a specific item, and you want to be machmer, that's fine, and you should keep it, but don't be mitzilaz on others. If you can get away with going, you can bow out gracefully, then wonderful. Again, this is a very toxic sugya, and the Peleyes just showed you both sides. If you could not start a fight and you don't have to be there, so then don't go. If you can't go because you're not just lowering a standard of a chumrah, you're being asked to put yourself in harm's way for your ruchnis, the ruchnis, your family, then you can't go. And then there are a hundred gradations and scenarios where it's going to be a gray area and you have to ask a shayla. And just like you shouldn't be quick to be mekel, laman hashalom, quote-unquote, and do damage to the ruchnis and the ruchnis of your children, and your other family members, the same, uh, same paragraph you have to keep in mind that if it's something that can be done and somebody with experience can explain to you how to do it and where to do it and, and how to at least make up for it, uh, there are people, probably uh, to say this on video with sound bites is not a good idea because uh, you can't extrapolate from one scenario to another. But uh, I've been asked, not infrequently, because Rahman it's not... Uh, Uncommon Shaila, but you're going to a, a wedding in warm climates or in warm times of the year, like May, June, July, very common time for weddings. And uh, you want to go, and it's uh, branches of the family that are not yet from or not yet very from, and uh, they're getting married in Aniach, uh, there's a Vasat and they're already getting married to Gadim, but uh, people, they're making it a time where everybody's rushed to get there, nobody has time to get dressed. You know, those rosh chasnas, they just, they realize the time is late and everybody shows up and um, just, you know, you only have X amount of time of the day to do things and 
So to bring yourself and your family and family members and children to such a matzav where Shemir Zanayim is absolutely impossible and it's not just uh, Shemir Zanayim, that's as serious a Shiloh or more serious than the Kashris, which is a serious Shiloh. So you can't just say, well, I'm not a Shalom, they're not going to understand. So, okay. So then you have to figure out a way where you can try to upgrade, where you can't, how much you're, um, you're going to be uh, noted uh, in terms of when you're missing and what you can show up for and how you can scale it back and who you can bring. These are very complex shilas, and the answer, again, is not just, well, the uh, of Shalom, you can do everything, and the answer is also not to ignore the Shalom aspect and do nothing if something can be done. But you have to, it's a long discussion, what can be done? That's true about the sneeze. I've been asked, this is already, uh, I understand where the child is coming from, but uh, they have a relative or a friend who's uh, marrying out. So my opening marshal, which is my closing marshal, is if somebody were inviting you to a murder scene, 5 o'clock, is the, they, have, uh, they have the shmorg beforehand at 4, and at 5 o'clock the murder will take place. Uh, would you contemplate going? Halilah, that's how would I not? So maybe we're losing our sensitivity. You can't go there. If you go there, you got to smile for the pictures. If you're going there and smiling, watching it, the marriage. How exactly is that going to go over? How can you go and smile? Going and smile means like this is not so bad. We understand, and the, the usual answer from, you know, Aunt Molly from wherever she is. Uh, she's a nice lady. She doesn't understand attention. She says just as long as they're happy. Abigazunt, as long as everybody's healthy. Ah, he's a not yet uh, part of our tribe, nice guy, just doesn't belong at the ceremony. So how can you stand there and smile? And wh- wait a minute. How are you going to go? In, in what form are you going to go that you're not giving a haskama? So he said, no, I'm going to go and I'm going to frown, I'm going to cry, and I'm going to make a, a macha. I'll, I'll show it. They really want you there. Maybe come at 6 o'clock after it's over. So there's certain things that just not, and horrible because they don't really understand. It's gotten to a point they don't understand. Like, what's the problem? Everybody does this. That, that how can you go to the ceremony? So you can't ignore it either. So you write long, emotional, caring letters how I don't agree with what you're doing and therefore I can't come and I can't witness, witness this whole thing. It's too tragic and it's too painful. And I understand why you don't understand that it's too painful. But I love you anyway and I'm always here to talk. You write a nice care of letter and explain why you can't be there. Whenever you have a scenario you can't be somewhere, it's never an excuse to bow out and ignore them. You write a nice letter. And they say, not going to read the letter. I assure you, they will read the letter five times. They might be furious, there might be steam coming out of their ears, but they will read the letter and will make some sort of ration. There are ways to do this. You can't just ignore it. But doesn't mean in that scenario you can go. I said far too much already. It's time for Shacharis. So we will... Uh... I should have done that one on Shabbos. You know something?